Welcome to the Mastering B2B Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus McDonald. Enjoy the show. Let's assume that I own a B2B small size company and you know, I'm scaling, my business is scaling pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. When would be a good time that I need to outsource the web development piece? So there's several, great question. There's several um, scenarios that I see. One, it depends on the budget for the marketing department. Uh, it also depends on the level of projects and tasks that you have mm-hmm. going. Um, for example, one scenario is if you don't have an in-house developer and you're looking to move quickly, scale with marketing, um, and there's rebranding, there's parts of the sites that need to be revamped, or the site is, you know, it's been through many developers, and when you make a change, it breaks a part of the website. So that's one mm-hmm. scenario where you can bring, you know, an outsourced website development company, I like to call them website partners, and they can come in, they specialize 100%, make sure they specialize 100% on your platform or the platform that you want to move to. For example, if you're on HubSpot, you want to move to WordPress for websites, make sure that you get a WordPress developer. Um, if you're already on WordPress, as an example, then yeah, same scenario, mm-hmm. uh, get a WordPress developer. Another thing is they do sometimes, a B2B company does have an in-house developer or two, but they're so overwhelmed with tasks and projects, mm-hmm. um, and they need that additional support. So what I've seen B2B companies do is they'll go ahead and you know hire a vendor, a website partner to help with the overflow. That way they can support them, keep things moving along the pipeline. Um, so that's one, or I, the assembly line, but that's one um, scenario that I see very often The reason why they do that too is because they are trying to grow an internal team, but it does take time to hire, to recruit, to do all that stuff. Right. Uh, But they also see it as a great way to, you know, see what is great talent out there in the market. And then what do these vendors offer that would help us with the hiring process too? Also it's cost-effective. So if you think about it, so I'm in Silicon Valley, right? So to hire pretty much a full-time developer right now, I mean, they're demanding 170K, $170,000. And you got to talk about benefits, dental, all that stuff, right? Um, And that is cost the company a lot of money where you can actually, you know, outsource the web development and maybe pay around a hundred K or less than a hundred K a year. They're a vendor, but instead of one person, you actually get a team. Mm -hmm. So you could have one to three developers on any given day on your website. And it's an agency that that's really focused um, on WordPress development. If that's the, you know, content management system, the platform that your website is on. So there's a lot of benefit with that. And I always encourage them, not just because I run a WordPress website development company um, to do it just because and do business with me. I mean, I don't really care. Yes, it helps, but you can do it with anyone. 
but it really helps to see the talent, the processes in place, because every company has a different process in place. Um, the service that they're offering, make sure you get real service. And then the support, when you start seeing how a website partner supports you throughout the whole process, um, you're able to hire better. And when you hire better, the last thing you want is to hire bad talent, which it's hard to hire good talent. It really, really is hard. So, but you're able to filter through based on the experiences that you've had with your vendors. So there's a lot of benefits that come with that. Um, and those are the scenarios that come to my mind specifically. And, you know, if you're a CMO or VP of marketing, that's something to really consider too, because you don't want someone like a junior developer going in there, messing up stuff. You don't want your development team. If you have an internal team to get overwhelmed, um, to where they're cracking, they can't even take a day off. Like you don't want that. Like you want to, you know, share the burden. You want to get some additional support there. Um, and also understand how can I plan ahead? Let's not be reactionary because something that I see with web development, people react. It's, it's, it's an emergency. And it's like, no, it's not. It's urgent because you didn't plan accordingly. So a lot of things can be avoided if it's just planned accordingly. Sit down, let's talk to the team. Let's talk to the web development team, the, the website partners too. Um, it can be once a week, once a month, once a quarter. But planning it out, I think having a project management tool is also very important. We use Asana for project management. <laughs> And then laying out the timelines, we call them sprints. You know, every week we know exactly what the priority is, right? And then the in-house team, if they do have an in-house team, they tackle the more urgent emergencies. And then we kind of, the, the website development team that's outsourced, they handle more of the, not as urgent, but still like a medium type priority where it still needs to move forward. And we have people mm -hmm. working on it. So that's kind of the, the scenarios. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, usually those kind of scenarios with B2B companies and they're looking to scale. So one thing with marketing yeah. is speed. You've got to move fast if you want to stay ahead of the competition. Mm -hmm. As you said, I mean, having an internal person dealing with the website piece, uh, website mm -hmm. development piece is, is quite... I find it quite risky and also, as you said, I mean, um, your team or like another website, outsource website development team is just too much focused on that side of the business, right? They are the real experts of that topic. So right. you know that they are, they get all the updates, they are up to speed. So yeah, I completely agree that's putting somebody in-house, uh, especially if you are not at the enterprise level, uh, right. that doesn't make too much sense. And on the other hand, I mean, like the website projects that I, on the website projects that I handled with my clients, mm -hmm. it's a very detailed uh, and technical process yes. and it takes time. And uh, it's important to have somebody that's managing the, uh, the process outside for you. Uh, what's the duration? Uh, I mean, I know it depends on every business, but what's the duration to build up a website uh, for a small business, uh, let's say? Yeah, yeah. So if it's a standard WordPress website, um, 
you know, not complex and anything. And I know I have to define complex, but I won't do it on this here just to um, save us some time. But I always say it's going to take us four to eight weeks to get it completed mm-hmm. from start to finish. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of cushion time. Um, a lot of cushion time. I don't think a website should take longer than eight weeks to be completed. Mm-hmm. Um, it should definitely not take six months or a year to be completed. I just think someone's just not prioritizing the project and it's hurting marketing and sales. So overall the business, right? Um, but I say four to eight weeks and that's a lot of cushion time because the reality is if I didn't have any projects, we can get it done in 24 hours. Huh. But I tell our prospective clients four to eight weeks because there's a lot of back and forth with the client. So that we go through a design phase. One, we get all the content first from the client because sometimes they want to update their website copy. Sometimes they want to update images, whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Campaigns. But we make sure that is 100% completed. And then once we receive the website con- content, we then go into the design phase where we do mock-ups. And then once the mock-up is approved by the client, because we'll go back and forth on revisions, we then go into the development phase where we build it on a staging environment. I call it a construction site, so no one sees it. And then once that's built, you know, the client gives us the approval, um, we then launch it for them. (laughs) But the thing that takes the longest is the client feedback going back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes they're busy. You know this as an entrepreneur yourself. Sometimes they're busy. Sometimes they have other um, top priority items on their list. Um, So it's us making sure that one, we're tackling everything and meeting the deadlines. But also the understanding for the customer too is like, you know, we're going to adjust the the timeline accordingly um, if there's any delays too. Like we can't have the same launch date if it takes you longer. (laughs) Like things have to move further out. So we try to communicate that as much as possible. But -hmm. I think our whole goal is to make sure, boom, 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 here's the timeline ahead of time, even in our agreements. Mm -hmm. This is what's realistic. Um, And we can do it, but we always call it an estimated timeline of completion just because things happen. um, And then sometimes the customer feedback might take longer than expected too. But they also, if you think about it too, right? They also need to talk to their team about the feedback, right? The CEO, if they want to include the CEO. So a lot of people's feedback, they have to gather and that all takes time too. So when you deal with more of a, you know, the B2B companies are kind of more, there's more people involved in the project, which easily can take longer, but it can, I've seen it's, it's, it is doable. You could get the project done in four weeks um, or even less if you come in prepared and you're meeting the deadlines. I've seen it happen so many times. Uh, for you, how does a winning website look like? What's, is there like things that you, you can say for a winning website? For winning a website? No, like uh, how does a winning website, like a nice, perfect website, not perfect, but yeah, good website looks like. Yeah, I think functionality, the look and feel, um, the design, 
But you know, what's really more important is the copy. Words are very powerful. And I would take copywriting over design. So I think when you write your website copy, are you writing for your audience or are you writing about you, your accomplishments, everything you're doing, your solutions? Um, So it has to really resonate with your audience. A lot of companies um, don't really have their value prop down. They don't really have um, who are they really targeting? They want to do business with everyone. Right. And even if they think they have it narrowed down their audience, they still can go more narrow. Um, and it's for various reasons why they don't want to go narrow. <laughs> could be fear. It could be something else. Right. Um, but to us, it's more the functionality, the user experience, um, but the website copy is going to be the most crucial part of the whole thing. Cause what we try to do is, is one, can we improve your online presence? We're going to improve your online presence Two, um, how can we improve lead conversions to, you know, improve your sales? And then three, how can we provide an amazing user experience? So those three is our main focus. Mm-hmm. And that comes with user experience comes with page load times. How can we get you faster page load times? A lot of websites right now take longer than two seconds to load. And the way Google sees it is your website is broken onto the next website. That's the way they see it when they grade websites. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if your website takes five seconds or longer, like that could be a deal breaker because it depends on their, you know, Wi-Fi connection too, right? So all that comes in place. Yeah, I come uh, to a few weeks ago, you wrote on LinkedIn like this, I took a note. Uh, One tip that will improve your website's user experience is doing a website audit and fixing all issues. I think we come to the same point now. So uh, for me, I use, I I like that post, by the way, a lot. Um, I use Core Web Vitals uh, Mm -hmm. and I also, you know, check the analytics, Google Analytics on the website that I have and also I do it for my clients too. Uh, but how can we do a website audit? I mean, are there anything that you look fundamentally? Yeah, so um, we do. We also provide website audits ourselves. So everyone has their own definition of a website audit. Um, if you want to just grab your URL, copy and paste it into a software so they can measure, you know, everything, web.dev. Um, is a great website grader. Um, it's by developers from Google. Uh, it is from Google actually. And to me, that's better than GT metrics. Um, I feel like GT metrics is pretty dated. So I would go with, if you really care about what Google thinks, then go with, um, web.dev. I think it's four slash web.dev four slash measure to measure your Mm -hmm. website and it measures your website performance, usability, SEO, best practices, um, all that stuff. They have different categories. And what they do is they give you the list of recommendations. Now, if you're not a developer, you're going to look at it and be like, what is CSS? What is JavaScript? What is this? Like, (laughs) it's just going to go way over your head. Like you're, you're not going to get it. So what I recommend is getting that report because you can generate the report into a PDF, I believe. Um, And then send that URL or PDF to your web developer. Um, And if you don't have one, start looking 
for a partner that can help you with tackling those issues because that's what Google's looking at when it comes to measuring websites. And they're really, really focused on speed and user experience. And a lot of websites, like we're doing it with our customers, we're kind of upselling that service. It's called um, Web Vitals Optimization. <laughs> so that's what you're really measuring is the Web Vitals, core Web Vitals, the core of your website. And mm -hmm. um, that's where I would say just outsource that um, mm -hmm. so you can find someone that can actually clean it up for you to make the website faster. So we're doing that with our clients and it's been showing some really good results when it comes to just low time um, conversions, all of that. The other thing that I was going to mention too is um, when it comes to website audit, what we do is we don't just look at the, the front end, which is what the public sees. We actually get the client's credentials and we, because we didn't build the site. So mm -hmm. we log in and what we do is expose all vulnerabilities, all issues on unnecessary plugins. We, we make a list of everything and then we provide recommendations on that. We might mm -hmm. even find that the site was already hacked and infected with malware. Like sometimes you don't even know that. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, it looks good on the front end, but you don't know how dirty it is on the back end in the mess, right? Wow. <laughs> so we do that. Um, there's not a lot of companies that actually are doing that. I think people should start or companies should start um, incorporating that with their website audit. A lot of website audits are very focused on lead conversions, mm -hmm. how to improve conversions and everything on the front end, which I think is important. Um, but you also got to take care of the back end. Mm -hmm. um, I had a client, uh, they were in the fashion business, so they were putting lots of images to the website because of the, you know, mm -hmm. they have a dress, but they have five pictures of the same dress and they have right. like 100, 200 SKUs. And uh, because of the images that are not optimized enough, uh, right. their website was developing, uh, was opening up really, you know, at a long time. Uh, and they were, and I was showing them the web dev and GT metrics data that they need to have, a, you know, they, they need right. to tackle this up. And they were telling me, okay, when we check to Zara.com, it's the same. We have the same issue. So that's, that's the reality of our business. I mean, right. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to tell to them because yeah, exactly. If I check Zara, it's the same, you know, it's a big. Right, right. They're all different. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing with GT metrics, this is my personal opinion is yeah. they have a website grader measurement that says, um, why slow? Hmm. Why slow is from Yahoo. So Yahoo in my mind is dated is old, but I'm assuming that Yahoo is paying a lot of money to stay with GT metrics as a website creator. But everybody knows Google is the way to go when it comes to grading a website. So that's why I'm like, GT metrics is so dated. I'm just going straight to the web developers at Google. <laughs> Whatever they say, we're gonna follow their recommendations. And we also, you know, we practice what we preach too. So. We're doing it on, on our website on an ongoing basis. So every month we're like in there cleaning up the code on the back end, running our website through web.dev just to make sure that we're green in all categories. So they measure it with colors. If you have mm -hmm. a very bad performance, it's red. Mm -hmm. Yellow is eh, it's good, <laughs> but green is the best. So that's how they measure it. So we make sure that, and I try to post it on LinkedIn too. Every time we get it in the green, it's like, 
we're doing it. We're also providing it to our clients too. Cause there's a lot of companies out there that don't even do it for themselves. Right. How frequently, uh, you said every month we do the web audits, right? How frequently would you recommend doing that? Once you If are you, all green, let's say. Mm -hmm. I recommend it as part of the ongoing maintenance plan. Mm -hmm. So every month, once mm -hmm. a month, make sure that it's in the green, especially if you're doing a lot of changes to your website. And like you said, there's clients that are in there uploading billboard large images that aren't optimized. That will kill your performance in a heartbeat. So it's good to like have that once a month because then the web developer or website partner goes in there, cleans it up and re-optimizes. Mm -hmm. So all that's super important, especially for B2B companies. I mean, it even happens to B2C. I still recommend it because let's talk about B2C, okay? Yeah. I don't focus on B2B, but let's talk about B2C because I know you have B2C as well, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, so here's why that's super important. If you have an e-commerce functionality on your site and your website is slow, you're losing sales right off the bat, guarantee it. So the whole shopping experience needs to be quick, fast, less steps. I would even encourage whoever the owner is or whoever the marketing person is um, that's managing the site to go through the experience themselves, put yourselves in their shoes. It took you eight steps to check out. Can you make it in four or five steps? Like how can you make it more effective and efficient, right? Like e-commerce websites should be two seconds or less for load time. If I go to the homepage, it should not take me more than two seconds. So Web Vitals optimization on a monthly basis is super crucial because it makes the website faster. It cleans up all the stuff that you add because if you're in e-commerce, you're adding product images, descriptions, you're adding everything, right? So to me, I think it's even way more important for an e-commerce website to have Web Vitals optimization. Because there's constant update and also there's too much visits to the site on a daily basis, so probably, hopefully, yeah. Right, and database cleanup, that's another thing too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to have it on, one, there's website maintenance, which is, you know, manages the hosting, it manages the, the themes, the plugin, updates them, make sure they're up to date, running properly, security layers are in place. There's all that stuff with ongoing website maintenance, which to me, I feel like that's pretty basic. But when you do Web Vitals optimization on top of that, One website maintenance is crucial and it's important. Every website should have it. Doesn't matter what platform it's on. You always want somebody managing the site. And then the other one is the Web Vitals optimization. I feel like that just takes the website to another level when mm -hmm. you add the Web Vitals optimization. If you care about the user experience, then yes, you should get Web Vitals optimization. <laughs> I don't know who isn't, who has a website and isn't considerate of the user experience. That's my thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are people out there, but, uh, and also, as you said, I mean, the copy is one of the most important things of a website. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, I think, case. It's even the more important case for B2C companies, especially mm -hmm. the descriptions on the product page, because right. people are searching for that word, for those right. words. And uh, I, I see so, too many companies not um, putting the right descriptions and not putting enough of effort to the product description pages too, uh, which is one of the most crucial things in a website. Right. Definitely. 
my recommendation is to hire a conversion copywriter. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation, especially if it's all about sales, online sales. Um, mm-hmm. You have a high conversion copywriter um, that can go through it. And they're, this is not the same as, I feel like they get undervalued copywriters. It's not the same as, oh, I'm really good at emails, so I can do the description. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's like saying, I'm really good at web, at web development. Let me go ahead and build the website, but it's a disaster. So I think it's really understanding, hey, this is not my expertise. Value that your, your ROI is going to be better because you're hiring a, an expert and they're going to do a ton of research. They're going to write. They're going to talk to your competitors. They're going to do a lot of proofreading, editing, like they're going to do a lot of brainstorms. So they're going to find the pain points, the things that trigger them to buy. They're going to actually do that. What differentiates you from others? They're going to bring that story out to life. So I really think hiring a conversion copywriter would be the way to go. I completely agree. I mean, uh, and not leaving that topic to someone inside the company that has, you know, just good writing skills, right? Uh, right. It's something else. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I know that you have a podcast channel too, and mm-hmm. mastering B two B marketing. Uh, are you on the one hundred twentieth episode? Am I seeing it right? Or I don't even know what episode we're on. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. I know we're over the hundred, uh, Mark. It's 120. Just, it's 120. You did your research. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I was like, 120. <laughs> yes. We've been doing it for a while. Yes. I'm new in this area. So this is my fourth episode. Uh, and I just... Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. Yes. Uh, so I'm curious to learn more here. Um, I know I recognize that everyone has a different process, a unique process on, of their own. Uh, mm-hmm. Some things are overlapping, just like we both use Anchor FM. Uh, what's your exact podcast process? My exact pro- process for podcast is I record a video like we're doing right now. Um, and then I send it to my video editor. Well, before I send it to my video editor, I actually write down I, I go over the video myself and I, cause I was already in the interview. I know exactly what short clip I want on LinkedIn. So my ideal clients are hanging out on LinkedIn. So to me, I'm thinking about what's going to be the short clip for LinkedIn. And I try to keep it under three minutes. Is anything mm-hmm. longer people's attention span and all that stuff. So I keep it under three minutes. And then what we do is we get that. I send it to the video editor he chops it up. So he uploads the full audio to anchor our podcast hosting provider. And then he uploads the full video to YouTube to Jerem web marketing YouTube channel. Now we provided both video and audio. A lot of companies just provide usually the audio. And the reason why is because we asked marketers what they would like and surprisingly more people wanted to watch it instead of listen to it. I was shocked. I was like, what? (laughs) I'm over here walking and listening to the audio, (laughs) but they're like in front of the computers, they open up a tab, they type in YouTube and they're like, where's the video? So I started posting the links in the comments on LinkedIn for the YouTube and for Spotify and Apple. 
Um, and then we get that one short clip. So our strategy changes all the time, but I'm going to give you my current one. Okay. Mm -hmm. We use that LinkedIn. We, the aspect ratio, I believe is one, one. So it's square. And then mm -hmm. what we did is we created a template where we have the headline of the video and we try to make it, you know, very eye catching, very like, this is what the hook, right? This is what people really want to know. Um, like SEO is dead and here's why, like something like really intense. <laughs> well, maybe not that intense, but something that's, you know, eye catching. Mm -hmm. And then what we did before now we're doing the captions. So we used um, rev rev.com mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and we get that short clip, the LinkedIn short clip, we upload it to rev.com and we get the captions mm -hmm. and then we edit the captions in rev. And when it looks good, we spit out the .srt file because that's the file that spits it out. And that's the file LinkedIn format accepts. And what we do is we, we manually enter that our video editor enters the captions within the video. So it shows up in blue. So you want to have a really good big font for the headline and then small captions. Why we ended up doing that is because we can control the, the font size, right? Sometimes if you just mm -hmm. let LinkedIn do the captions for you, they show up really small, sometimes mm -hmm. on mobile as well. So that's been helpful. That's for the LinkedIn. And then what I do is I write everything. Sometimes it's just transcript. Sometimes it's not, but I just write down all the insights, my takeaways, everything. I'm like a reporter. I go, I interview people. I, I, here's my takeaways. And then I put it on LinkedIn. So that's been a really good approach. Um, and it's also helped me as well as an entrepreneur to implement those marketing strategies for our business. So a lot of it has evolved over time. Now for the YouTube, we also just upload it. It's a different size video. It's more wide. So mm -hmm. I think it's 18, no, 1080. So it's one of those videos. And then the audio we have our template for that too. We have intro music, we have outro music. Um, we have those things too, that our video editor does. Now that short clip for LinkedIn. Yeah. So the new thing that we're doing, so that was half the strategy right there that we do. The other half is we're experimenting with TikTok. Oh. So we're experimenting with TikTok. YouTube shorts is super popular right now, which is pretty much TikTok. They try to do their own version of TikTok. Instagram Reels is of it's pretty much TikTok. The aspect ratio is 916. So it's very vertical, right? Mm -hmm. The video. Yeah. So we use that LinkedIn video that under three minutes. Let's say it's three minute video, right? Now, YouTube Shorts only does 60 seconds mm -hmm. videos. That's the limit. TikTok used to do 60 seconds. Now they extended it to three minutes. Instagram reels. I believe it's still 60 seconds. That might've changed. What I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's what we do. We killed two birds with one stone. We only do 60 seconds or less. And we upload that. We get that LinkedIn video. That's three minutes. We shorten it to 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. We try to make it like 57, 55 seconds. And we make it and we upload that same video to YouTube Shorts, to TikTok, and to Instagram Reels. 
So we're experimenting with that right now. I don't really focus on podcast analytics. I mean, obviously I didn't even know how many episodes we had going, right? So I don't really focus on podcast analytics. Uh, I think if you focus on the podcast analytics, um, I think you're going to quit. Because a lot of people are thinking about what's my ROI? What's this? We're not getting any leads. Uh, It's a top of mind strategy. And top of mind doesn't mean three months, six months, one year. It could be. It could be longer. I had a guest on my show. It was a B2B company um, and he was a marketer, right? And he said, hey, I've been, like you were mentioning, you live in my feed, Jesus, he was saying. He's like, I feel like I know you. Like, this is crazy. We finally get to me and everything like that, right? And he said, I've been following your content. And it's valuable content. I implemented for you know our company for 12 months. And we're doing 2022 marketing planning and I have your name down for a website redesign. And I said, hold on, I want to use this as a real example, 12 months and you're not even my customer yet, but I've been in your mind the whole time. When you think website redesign, Jesus McDonald. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, it was like, this is what podcasting is all about. And I didn't put pressure. I'm like, I'm not saying let's, let's get the deal closed like today and stuff. But I wanted my listeners to hear that this is what podcasting is. This is brand. This is branding. This is reputation. This is everything. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we can, without a podcast, he would never know me. On top of the branding uh, piece, I think you get to know the other person pretty well. And also you get to know that area of business pretty well, because I mean, I personally do quite a lot of research because I'm, first of all, I'm quite curious about the person that I'm about to meet. Right. And I'm also curious about what they are doing so that I can ask the correct questions so that it makes sense to my audience too. I think that piece, the networking piece, and also getting to know more people and getting to know uh, deeper in some of the topics is, is another extra uh, benefit of doing the podcast. That's what, how I feel, actually. And my last point is about LinkedIn, actually. Um, for me, it increases steadily. Then, you know, I know we shouldn't be looking to the numbers too much, uh, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, everyone looks at it, right? Uh, I know that the engagement levels are down on LinkedIn, uh, but is there like, how, about, how does it go for you? I know that you post quite a lot of, con- not quite a lot, of, but you post consistent content and yeah. uh, it's always on my feet, on top of my feet. Um, how does that go for you? Like the number of followers, for example, was there a time that it jumped and it made a huge jump because of a particular thing that you do? I think the most important thing, and I've also learned this from other LinkedIn influencers and B2B marketers that I have on the show, the thing that's consistent with everyone I've interviewed and that I'm doing right now is consistency. The more consistent you are, the better. So I post Pacific time because I'm in California, 8 Mm a.m. There's times that I post outside of that, 
you know, as additional posts, but I try to keep it 8 a.m. So people know when to expect your posts. Some people go looking for your post if it's really good content. Um, and I stay consistent. Now, if you're, if you're just starting out, um, I wouldn't say do it every day. I went all out and did it every day, including weekends. And I committed to a year of doing it. So if you're serious about growing, I would say on any platform, doesn't have to be LinkedIn. Where does your ideal client hang out? Right. And I, what I'm saying is don't just, if, if, if we bring up TikTok, I had a friend that just left LinkedIn and went to TikTok and I asked him, where's your ideal client? LinkedIn. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you, you're supposed to do a little bit of TikTok and experiment, not just leave your ideal client. So you have to know where your target audience is. But to, to, to that point is if say it is TikTok, hey, my ideal clients are in TikTok. Okay, well then post every day. Now, if every day is too much and you're just starting out, for those that are listening, I would say start once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at right now, I post on weekdays only. So Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. is what I post. And wow. I, I try to post very specific you know, content around WordPress websites. Um, sometimes I'll throw a kid <laughs> I throw my kid in there on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> my kid, my son, Dustin. Yep. Um, because that just brings out more, you know, me as a dad, it brings mm-hmm. up a different side other than an entrepreneur, right. Or mm-hmm. a WordPress guy. So to me, it's being consistent. Now quality does matter too. So if you're just starting out, I would say commit to one year and post twice a day, twice, no, twice a week. Sorry. Now, if you can do weekdays, weekdays is good enough. If you want to do every day, go for it, but don't be too hard on yourself either. Like if you miss a day cause you're sick or something like that, that's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. No one's judging you other than yourself, but you see the results. And that's when I started seeing it after three months, after six months, I think it was after six months, I started seeing the followers kept going. Cause I changed my LinkedIn profile from connect to follow the button follow. Oh, okay. So they just would click follow. When you mm-hmm. like my post, someone in your network was, was following me too. So mm-hmm. it just gets spread through different degrees of connections. Mm-hmm. So I would say be consistent. If you, I would also say second to that is have a really solid content strategy. It doesn't take like, six months to create it, or you don't have to plan six months in advance or three months in advance. I would say just do the, for the week because things change in technology all the time. All right, guys, that's the end of our episode. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the whole world to me. And lastly, make it a great day. <laughs>